Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi everybody, sorry about that slight delay in Damien and I popping onto your screens. Uh, we are here once again with WTA Weekly. Uh, of course, this should be uh, Jakob Bobro's WTA Weekly, uh, but sadly Jakob passed away uh, just over a week ago. Uh, we did have a few words, uh, a few raw words in the uh, immediate aftermath of discovering uh, what had happened and Sadly, Jakob had passed away uh, on Wednesday, uh, but now Damien and I are going to share one or two thoughts of our own and also uh, some more anecdotes that we didn't touch upon the other day. And also we'll share some of your thoughts as well via Twitter that has come out in the in the days since uh, the sad news emerged. We will then uh, look back on the last seven days in women's tennis and a slight look forward as well in the sort of normal uh, format, but obviously this has been a very abnormal week, Damien. Um, I, I'm actually going to begin with something we just talked about before we went on air, and and, and I just want to share what, what I said, which was that um, sadly we've got to know a little bit uh, Damien's father, sorry, Jakob's father in the last few days in such tragic circumstances and a, and a real pity, and I want to say a big big thank you if that's the right expression to him for being so kind and, and considerate and, and and responsive to all of the messages that i've sent him he also was the person who shared the news with you wasn't he and he was you know very keen to to speak to you and let you know and 
tell you such tragic news, but also how much he loved doing podcasts with you, Damien. Yeah, um, you know, it must take a lot of strength to do that. Um, basically, like from 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 when he contacted me, like my only goal was not to um yeah just not to bother him with mm. anything really because i i i cannot imagine what the guy must mm. be going through but as you said uh he was very responsive he was always he would always reply and um uh yeah even when we when we did that 10 15 minute segment on wednesday was it um he even like you know specifically messaged me to thank thank us for this so um yeah uh, that that's basically uh that i i basically cannot really understand how he does it but um yeah, i'm definitely thankful for that and then yeah just for for letting us know uh, in the first place as well yeah um I, right now as well i'm reminded of some some other words that, that that occurred between nick and i a few weeks ago and i know nick won't mind me sharing this uh about six to eight weeks ago when we were looking at the transition from uh, a grass court to then sort of North American hard. Um, it made sense to sort of have a little break for you and Mario on the ATP side. I know you're, you're still very much a part of the team, but just taking a break from the ATP weekly and, and Nick likewise with the WTA weekly. For me, albeit that I hadn't known Jakob that long, he just fitted perfectly for the role. So I said to, he was the first person amongst you know, the team or anyone really that I could think of. And he was the person I thought of that would be just ideally suited to that role. And when I told Nick that that was what I was thinking, he said, perfect choice. And um, yeah. And so this, of course, uh, should have been Jakob's show and, and was for the last few weeks, but sadly won't be. We will be mentioning how we're going to permanently remember uh, our good friend Jakob uh, shortly. Uh, before we do, though, I think maybe there might be one or two more anecdotes that you'd like to share. Um, I think there was one thing that you said you wanted to talk about the other day that you, you didn't get a chance to mention. Yeah, it was actually a message from Elena, one of our uh, Talking Tennis subscribers, that that got mm -hmm. me thinking about this. That you know, I didn't really mention that. Obviously, part of why it was like so easy for me to talk to Jakob is that you know I'm interested in like tennis across all levels of competition and. Um, there are very few people with whom I can just, you know, start talking about, I don't know, um, let's say Coco Goff and Iga Świątek, and then randomly just go down to, you know, the lowest possible realms of professional tennis. Like, I don't know, mention some 50k qualifying results and Jakub would always, um, you know, uh, he, he wouldn't like just um, say, okay, okay, you know, just nod or something, but he would actually be invested in what I was trying to uh, tell him and obviously likewise. And um, yeah, I, I remember uh, he would just randomly, you know, tell you stories from when he was a ball boy at, at the Challenger in Bratislava. And like, mm -hmm. for example, Wukash Kubot almost hit him with his racket or something like that. Um, and they were pretty funny. And this one, this one joke that I remember when we were uh, live at that event in uh, last year, uh, when, uh, you know, when uh, Federer played Basel, they were always saying that he was a ball boy and now he wins this event for the 10th time. It was like mentioned all the time. And I was telling Jakub that, you know, in 2012, he was, a, he was a ball boy in 2019 and 2022. He was the, you know, he was accredited as, um, as, you know, a, a journalist to this event. So mm -hmm. probably in 20 years, he's going to be the tournament director or something. <laughs> and, um, unfortunately, of course, we'll never get to that, but, um, 
yeah definitely whenever whenever i watch this event you know maybe i'm gonna go to that event as well and i don't know if this year maybe maybe in some near future uh definitely it's gonna be something that is just gonna be an instant instant reminder of Jakub. and um i know he uh you know it, it, it held a special place in his heart so um yeah it, it's just something that he has been sort of um on and off going to for four years and uh certainly was always so excited whenever it came around so um yeah i guess that was just it also since we since we talked on wednesday i had to record mm-hmm. the first um yeah the first episode of the challenger show after mm-hmm. uh after we learned about the news because uh unbeknownst to me when i was recording the previous one actually Jakub was already um at least i i yeah i'm pretty sure he, uh, yeah according to the timeline i'm pretty sure he was actually already dead so obviously unbeknownst to me at the time so um i had to record like this first episode after after knowing it uh, so at the beginning, it's like me talking for 15 minutes about it. And um, it was very weird to just have to go from that into to just, yeah. you know, normal things like the usual stuff that we did. Also, this is an episode where we have um, some additional stuff like interviews that I did in Kozerki. And it's going to be very weird to promote this as well mm-hmm. because it starts with a 15 minutes um yeah just segment of me talking to talking about Jakob and um you know I hope um people will not like judge um the fact that this episode is is you know let's that is the very same episode I think I explained my reasoning in there but basically what I'm trying to say is that I think the the worst thing about it was like the small details Mm-hmm. Um, for example, at the end, um, usually there's, yeah, it, it's just very, it's, it's marginal, it's slim. But um, at the end, uh, when we finish talking about like previewing the the events of next week, uh, I would usually just try to say, um, you know, because it's usually five or four events on the Challenger Tour. So I would usually try to just from memory say which events we are going to discuss when we meet again with the listeners in seven days. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like... 18 of recording usually and you know my brain is fried so i cannot remember the events that we just talked about and uh yeah just not having Jakub there to even laugh at me you know uh that, that i cannot mm-hmm. remember these or uh for example that that buy that he did at the end you know it, it was kind of stupid but it, it became like a bit of a trademark of his i even said because i i remember yeah he was doing that on i know the buy you mean I know the yeah, he was talking that on talking tennis too, and mm-hmm. it just felt so weird to end the episode without the bye. You know, um, since we started doing it together, I actually did a few solo episodes, like three or four, but it was a very different feeling when I knew that you know next week Jakub was going to be back uh, up there. You know, and and uh, yeah, it just felt very weird to even finish the show and not hear the bye. The bye was also. Um, it was actually very helpful for me because whenever he said bye, that was when I stopped the recording, right? So it was like a, um, yeah, a good indicator for me when to when to snap it. And then I never actually even had to edit the the ending out or something. It was just bye, and that's when we finished. And uh, yeah, it's like it's like the small things that uh, that were extremely weird. Obviously, with time, it's going to be normal. Sadly, that's you know that's the cycle of life. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for for now, it's uh, it's still a little tough to understand how this is even possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I I hope we pay our respects to to him uh, pretty well. Um, it's really like the least I could do. I I'm glad uh, the, the least uh, we could do. I'm glad that his father felt like we did him justice as well. You know, based on his on his messages, 
Um, we also both attended the online ceremony, the only funeral ceremony. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think at this point, that's really, that's really all we can do. And um, I don't even know how to finish this, this whole sentence, to be honest with you. Of course. Uh, yeah. Rest yeah. in peace, you know, that, that, that's how I can finish it. And um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we will be transitioning to the tennis as, as, as minuscule as that may, may feel, um, given what's obviously occurred in the last few days. Um, I know that, that tennis was, was close to his heart as it is ours as well, but possibly even closer to Jacobs. And, um, it, it is strange to, you know, as we did on Wednesday, when it was extremely raw for me, when given that I'd only found out like yourself a few hours before to then start going, okay. And Eager's playing Daniel Collins now, and there's a backhand down the line. Um, and that, that I, I just don't really know how to transition from the two. I'm, I'm doing the best I can. And, but listen, uh, whatever, whatever difficulties and trickiness we may find in, in this transition are obviously nothing compared to, those that have, have known him a, a lot longer and of course especially his immediate family so yeah and uh, i also want to just share some of the messages that have come in I'll, I'll actually read these ones out these are the these are ones on um on the the video we had for uh when we spoke about uh, Jacob of the day and dear Jacob rip um this is from olivia um who i know knew Jacob well uh, he absolutely loved this podcast. I think she might be referring to your podcast, given the well. I'll read it out anyway. But, yeah, I, I, I think I think she might be given the time frame, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, he absolutely loved. Let's say doing podcasting. Uh, mm. I would reluctant. I would reluctantly be cast to the bedroom while he would record next door, and even though I didn't have a clue what he was talking about, I loved hearing his excitement through the wall of our flat. Uh, he was so passionate about delivering the best podcast he could. Honestly, the number of times I heard, sorry, babe, maybe like later I have podcast stuff. <laughs> I like, I like how it's, well, that's awful. I mean, uh, I, I mean, that, that's amazing, but that's also, I, I, I Jesus, I, I don't think I was ready to hear that, but yeah, he, he lived with her. I, I don't know if he, I don't think he lived with her when he, when he passed away, but I know he lived with her for, for a while and, I, I I think she definitely she definitely means the the challenger show that yeah. we did, but sure. yeah, I, I obviously talking tennis was something he started a bit later, but um, yeah. you know I, I know he loved doing that too. Yeah, so. and she said she she thought of you when 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 she heard of his passing because okay. she knew just how much. Uh, you know, he loved doing the podcast with you, and also she, and she she was actually the person that I intended to contact if like he wasn't going to yes, be I there think... for like seven days or something because that she was the only person really that I uh, knew the name of in his in his life. So, um, yeah. like from you know real in uh, real um yeah in, in in person real real friends. So uh, that's um yeah that that that, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. So you hadn't read these words, by the way? No, no, I hadn't. I hadn't. Okay, no, this yeah, is the first the, time I'm hearing this. on the YouTube video the okay. other day. But anyway, uh, also on the same video, Peter as well, uh, Jakob's father, just, uh, you know, saying thank you for these kind words. And, you know, it's the least we could we could do in such tragic uh, circumstances. Um, uh, Terry here saying, wow, shocking news about Jakob. So very, very sorry and saddened to hear this. I watched most of his videos. Um, as well, um, going over to uh, Twitter, 
let's have a quick look i'll uh, share because there's quite a few uh, messages here and and from all sorts of different people far and wide you know some that may have known Jakob, some that may not but all in in this strange sort of environment that we live in nowadays with social media and youtube channels uh we sort of do feel as though we know some of these people a little bit even through the medium of of youtube in our case or, or podcasts um in audio form in yours damien and and Jakob. Uh, uh, anyway i'll share some of these messages because i think they are extremely nice and just to show how much that the the tennis community uh, in this case at least um appreciated Jakob. uh from the game to love guys ben and jg who i know pretty well terrible and shocking news to hear both of us send our deepest condolences to his family uh, relevant tennis with a similar message joe uh, who i know was at wimbledon this year but uh, was unable to meet up with us um uh, also says rest in peace uh, nigel seeley as well a, a, a well-known guy in the um tennis community uh caitlin thompson equally well known as well uh saying how sad it is of course and uh nebby and i think tennis inside out are some some people that are regular viewers here andre from cop popcorn tennis as well i d did um did Jakob ever do anything for popcorn do you know uh i don't think so okay. not that i know of but you know I mean, we're all the, the guys of, knew them like we're all owen and vance definitely knew him to an extent yeah, vance probably the best so yeah yeah so Andre there from there. And of course, Miles and him did a show together just a couple of weeks ago on this exact same show, the WTA Weekly, Jakob's WTA Weekly, as it was. Um, they did a show together and, you know, the chemistry they had, um, you know, two great guys who, who love their tennis and have immense personalities as well. And yeah, so that's, you know, and as, as, as Miles touched on as well, he, um, he also, you know, we had a little one minute chat afterwards and I just said, you know, just awesome show that the dynamic that the two of them had was was great uh Sakib as well i met him in in Estoril this uh this year uh he's um you know expressing his sorrow as well uh ben rothenberg as well well-known person in the tennis community oh no so so awful to hear this Jakob has been the loveliest guy for the longest time on this craziest space just a delight to have around and i second those thoughts as well uh, i won't go through all of these but you'll see them on the screen at the very least uh, which just give you an idea of, of yeah, of, of how shocking it has been. And as I touched on earlier, can only, uh, cannot imagine uh, what it must be like to to lose someone so young. I think he was 22, right, Damien? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm um, just replying to, to Olivia's message. Like, honestly, it's, uh, oof, uh, you know, hearing this, like, read, you know, reading this now for the first time, it's actually uh both a beautiful and an awful feeling at the same time um yeah it, it's like um, jesus okay i was already fine but now i'm sort of shaken but you know we're gonna be okay we're gonna do that wt weekly in a, in a moment but uh yeah sorry if i'm if i'm a little out there right now and yeah no worries the uh i didn't mean to put you off either with that um of course not but i'm, I'm glad you showed me this like I, I i probably wouldn't have known so i mean right you know we probably so many times as well we're all sort of denying people from each other but we're all sort of doing what we love and i think um Jakob wanted to spend time with you damien uh as as, as weird as it may sound and, and maybe through the through the sphere of tennis let's say um or through the connection of tennis I mean, uh, obviously, he had a lot of time for Olivia as well, but 
yeah, uh, just um, it's it, it, it's it's just amazing to hear something like this because you probably it's not something you talk about, right? Uh, you, you don't really talk about how much this meant to him and to me as well. And um, yeah, just hearing this from from someone else, um, obviously um, someone that would hear about it. Uh, yeah, it's it's just um, yeah, it's it's a shame we we usually have to learn things like this in like these sort of circumstances. And um, yeah. very often there are you know things left unsaid, um, whether it's Jakub or some other people passing in our life. There's there's always something that you wish you would have said, and and then things that you wish um, like you hope that the other person knew um, deep under their skin. Well, well, maybe you never really talked about it. Yeah, right. There was a message as well on on social media, but I know he echoed them as well from Jack, uh, who, like me, met um, met Jakob for the only time, uh, unfortunately, earlier this summer, or, or fortunately, but also unfortunately, given what followed. Um, I'll see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, here we go. I'm, I'll read it out to you anyway. I, I might, I should be able to share it too. Here we go. Um, I met Jakob for the first time uh, this Wimbledon. Here we go. I'll just share it with you as well. Um, uh, having sat down in the Alexander with me and and uh, and, and Jakob too. And in fact, that that sort of came about a little bit randomly. I wrote, I think, in the WhatsApp group saying, hi, Jack and I are having a beer if anyone wants to join. About an hour or so later, Jakob uh, got in touch and just said, are you still there? And I was like, yeah, we're, we're here for a little bit longer. Yeah, I think it was like eight, nine o'clock. So um he said great and he'll be there shortly and we also met him the next day as well but uh, um the next day it was a larger group and I, I was actually sat pretty much next to Jakob so a lot of our chat was was, was close but I also um hold dearly the, the night before when when the three of us of course sat down and talked random stuff tennis media whatever um and also Jakob met him on uh actually within the grounds of Wimbledon the following day I think as well as he, as he shares here, um, uh, we proceeded to watch Andy Murray defeat Ryan Penniston in the Dog and Fox with the group as well. Um, uh, I was getting tetchy about waiting for pizza. Yeah, that's right. Then, of course, we went for pizza. Um, Jacob was un Jacob was unperturbed, laughing right on the side of the table. Wimbledon was the first and last time I met him. RIP. So, yeah, um, I'm now going to say a little bit about how we will give a sort of long-term memorial to him uh, at Talking Tennis. And, and, and I'm, I think, Damien, you have one or two ideas, maybe very similar ones for your show, uh, your podcast as well. Um, oh, by the way, Jakob, of course, also some people might not know, but Jakob also wrote quite a bit. I've had a few, I had a few direct messages as well from people saying similar things. Uh, I think Ubi Tennis uh, I think his name is Olcott. I forget his first name, and I apologize, but it would be Tennis got um, in Adam, yeah. Adam, Adam got in touch, yeah, and, um, and I think they did a bit of stuff together because Jakob was possibly or even more prolific with the pen than he was with the microphone. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of people and a lot of, uh, you know, different media outlets that he, he crossed over. And, and a bit like you as well, Damien, some, some you know, I've seen random clips and, of, of him from just a couple of weeks ago and it, it's still just it's just insanely sad and 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 weird and surreal and difficult to put into words and 
it's something that, you know, putting things into your words is exactly what Jakob would do day in, day out. But, uh, and to some extent we do as well, but this is not something that no matter how much journalism school or history classes or university or, or anything can, can prepare you for. But I'm just so pleased that uh, Jakob's father has been kind enough to say some nice things about some of the things that we've been sharing. And, and also, like you touched on, the fact that Jakob's father, um, you know, reached out to you and then I did get in touch with him, but he was also kind enough to let us hit, attend his uh, online memorial the other day um, as well. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, anything final to add, Damon, before I uh, mention how we're going to remember him on a long-term basis? I don't know if at this point I have anything, you know. Um, yeah, we've done the, the the Wednesday show. We talked here. I've I've had that. Um, yeah, just just me rambling on um, at the show, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure there is a lot more to say. I'm pretty sure if the yeah, I mean, you know if I was able to find the right words, I would have uh, already said it. But um, yeah, I'm, at this point, I, I don't really feel like I have anything to add. Yeah, um, I mean, as I. As I mm-hmm. What will happen, Damien, is there'll be random moments in the coming weeks, months, and years, I'm sure. And that's how I knew him three months, and mostly (laughs) online, you know? And that's, that's, you know, such a short space of time, but it also is testament to the the impact, just how, you know, um, emotional. You and I have been at various points in the last few days, um, but also how you will you will hear Jakob's name mentioned because we'll just there'll yes. be a random moment when we're watching a match or we're having a discussion or an argument or an agreement and we will mention Jakob's uh, take or Jakob's thoughts or something will prompt us to mention him. So it's, yeah, I, I actually said this on the show on the Challenger show as well that um, basically over the next at least year or so, like there's going to be constant mentions of Jakob because there's going to be something that we talked about three months earlier. There's going to be a player that we're t- we talked about and like Jakub had this take that I'm going to bring up. It's one of them, that's going one to of them happen, was so. one of them was prominent last week. He's not the winner <laughs> yeah. of the uh, of a particular award that we're going to announce, but one of them was prominent last week, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we mentioned uh, Max on some of on one of the talking tennis streams. Indeed, I just yeah. mentioned that with uh, with Jakub, we had this prediction that Max Purcell was going to get to the top forty this year. I don't know if he will because he's uh, currently at like what forty nine or something like that. But you know, it's forty seven, so it is it is pretty close. He needs like one more big result for this. And uh, there were some other predictions which were way less successful. Like I remember, <laughs> for example, Jakub. Um, Saying that Vanash will reach the second round, uh, sorry, the second week at um, the French Open, I replied that Purcell and Virtanen will reach the the, the, the the second week at Wimbledon. Obviously, none of this really happened, but yeah, things like this, I think we're gonna just keep mentioning uh, because there's always going to be space for that. Like, it's not even going to be something that we're gonna do by design. Like, it's not going to be something that we will want to and have to do it's just something that you know is going to come up because we've spent many many hours talking with with Jakub on tennis and and yeah his opinions will stay um his um yeah his favorite players you know his the 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 players that he was excited about they they will uh they will stick around with us absolutely yeah um so yeah he will 
um, forever be in our in our memories and our thoughts, and will frequently come to the front of our minds uh, as we're watching tennis players up and down the rankings and all over the world. So yeah, uh, now I'm going to bring us exactly. I was going to do it a minute ago, and I, I'm finally getting to it. Um, the way I would like to remember Jakob uh, uh, in a in a long term way at uh, talking tennis, and I think it's a uh, a fairly obvious and easy way, which is basically to give the Jakob Bobro uh, Player of the Week. We may evolve this and it may tweak and turn and change as we refine this award. Um, but for now, it's the Jakob Bobro Player of the Week. And Damien, uh, we spoke a little bit before. We did think about Max Purcell, but perhaps he's a little bit too high in the rankings right now to do so because... A sort of asterisk for this is that, um, you know, it has to be someone probably outside the top 100, maybe making a breakthrough into the top 100 or just having a particularly special week. Honourable mention as well for Liam Brody, who's reached a career high of 110, I think. Uh, wasn't quite able to go on and win uh, the challenger in Winnipeg and therefore wasn't quite able to break that 100 barrier. Otherwise, he would have been an obvious choice. Uh, at the moment as well, this is a, a choice between the men's and the women's tour. And for this week, we've gone for a, uh, a male player. And Damien, uh, you can uh, take over from here as to who is the winner of the first uh, Jakob Bobro Player of the Week. Yeah, uh, we were just chatting about it with John and we figured that uh, probably Jesper de Jong was going to be the choice. You know, he was the winner at the challenger that I attended last week in Kozerki. He uh, did not break the top 100. However, he broke the top 150. You know, he had such an excellent, consistent season just without that one achievement in, in the form of the challenger title. This is his second one. He won his first one in Almaty 2021. This year, he already had two finals. And yeah, he just dominated the whole week. Uh, no sets lost, one, only one tiebreak needed. Uh, great guy too. Um, so um, yeah, I was, I, was, I was glad to meet him in person, his coach as well. And I think Jakub would have loved the, the, the stories um, that I had for, from this week. Um, also with Jesper de Jong, you know, obviously throughout the course of the season, we have mentioned uh, the Dutchman a, a ton of times, especially when he reached the finals in Tigre and then in Rome, uh, Tigre in January and in Rome in like April. So, um, yeah, I, I think Jesper is, is probably the obvious choice here. And uh, yeah, let's let's see uh, which other players come up. I think uh, it will make a lot of sense to um, sometimes even include um, someone from the women's side if there's um, a bigger story there. Um, yeah, just go for whatever um i we think that Jakub like um you know from 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 the sort of level from the sort of um, um niche um uh, maybe realm of tennis that that Jakub definitely loved and uh held uh, close to his heart as well absolutely um listen i know max Purcell didn't quite make it but i was kind of rooting for him in a way just uh, there's something about the max Purcell look that uh, i find so charming um and uh you know, if this if this appearance, if you like, and this is meant it with absolute love, um, if this appearance uh, doesn't tell you that uh, he's an alternative tennis player, then not much. Well, he's he's a bit niche, no, Max Purcell. No, definitely. Yeah, he just basically started focusing on singles this year. You know, he, he thought that maybe he still has a shot at singles, and it turned out that he broke the top one hundred in like what four months or something like that. 
obviously winning three challengers in a row, which was insane in India. And um, yeah, uh, just 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 uh, just an incredible story. And based on the fact that he had nothing to defend in the second half of the year, that's why we figured that maybe uh, Max Purcell was going to uh, be that player who uh, yeah can even break into the top forty at the end of the uh, at the end of the year, or maybe at some point this year. That's why we made this little prediction with Jakub. Uh, might pan out, although we were thinking of like a bit of a different route for him. Maybe not necessarily through ATP 1000 quarterfinals, but like, yeah, playing these South Korean challengers that he did, but maybe didn't exactly do all that well at. And also Grass, where um, somehow Max Purcell actually didn't do all that well, but I think he was also injured around that time. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's basically what we had in mind. And definitely it's um, it's a complete breakout this year that... Uh, is actually uh, very hard to match in terms of like I don't know most improved player of the year. He could be. I think he will be nominated for this award by the ATP. You know, uh, okay. it's it's kind of hard to uh, see. I don't know four or five other players that would be better than him in this regard. Maybe he even has a chance to to win this award. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, Ghosty. Yeah, I did think of JJ Wolf as well, but I think there's room for both. I think that's sort of one sort of more you know US and one's a bit more Aussie. If you like, there's a sort of uh, fit for them both. So I think there's room for both of them in the alternative uh, tennis community. But anyway, back to the Jakob Bobrov Player of the Week, uh, Jesper de Jong, tearing it up on the Challenger Tour. And we'll see if he can uh, maybe tra transfer that as well to the full main tour as well. Um, for those of you tuning in, wondering why we've gone off uh, slightly uh, at a tangent uh, regarding the men's tour, well, uh, sadly this week we, we lost... Uh, our friend and colleague Jakob Bobro. So we just wanted to dedicate the beginning of the show um, uh, to Jakob, which was, of course, was his show. And uh, so therefore, so we've announced that we will be having a Jakob Bobro Player of the Week on a weekly basis. And this week it goes to Jesper de Jong. For the rest of you, though, who are tuning in for the WTA Weekly, that will follow now. And... We'll take a brief break and have a quick look back on what's been going on in the last few days in Cincinnati. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, it's perfect timing so that I can talk anyone watching through this part. So Kogo go. first serve into the net. Three championship points. This is championship point four, five, and six. Hopefully we don't see five or six. She gets a sexy serve in. Mukaba goes long. Goff raises her arms, releases the racket. Coco Goff wins the WTA 1000 in Cincinnati. She beats Mukaba 6-3, 6-4. A decent fight by Mukaba, who, of course, will be in the top 10 for the first time. Um, Coco Goff now hunting down number five on Stubur.
So there we go. Uh, a very brief video uh, that I hurriedly made in the last few minutes before we went live. Uh, as you may have noticed, it was rather picture heavy and maybe a little short on detail, but hopefully it gave you a little teaser. Uh, Ghosty seems to like it anyway. He says my editing is getting better and better. Probably suggests that my editing wasn't great in the past more than how good it is in the present. Nevertheless, um, it's been an interesting seven days. I think we have to begin with Coco Golf, Damien. And, uh, well, for Coco, it's been an interesting three weeks. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, um, I, I think I remember saying, like, before she played Svjotek, that there's no better chance, um, like, that there's no better option for her to actually show that she has made progress than to, I don't know, come close or beat her nemesis. Uh, I think if she just came close, you know, to, to beating Iga, that would have been already fine. It's just that if she got whooped another time, like got, I don't know, 6-2, 6-2 for the pole, that would have been pretty, uh, a, a bit of a disaster for Goff. And like actual mentors, mental scaring would have been a thing for sure. Uh, and actually, she just did it completely the other way around. You know, she just managed to beat her and she managed to show that th this progress is very much real. Is this already like the Brad Gilbert influence? Kind of hard to say, right? But um, certainly she has been like uh, really disciplined in terms of her defensive play style. And also the forehand has had some moments when it's actually a weapon, you know. Uh, against Svantec, I think she even outwinnered her. And um, yeah, it was it, it was uh, just just, a, just an astonishing showing. Um, we've said it a couple of times that um, like on the women's side, the eight, winning a, a WTA thousand is actually almost as tough as winning a slam. You know, it's just two additional matches, maybe one if you're not a seed. So at least in theory, there's no reason why Coco Golf uh, can't be winning slams. And if if this is really going to continue, then uh, it's truly a beautiful um, example. You know, of of a player who was kind of stuck at the same level for a while, had obvious obvious weaknesses that were you know, not allowing her to uh, keep going. And if this form is going to continue, you know, the sky is the limit. Uh, I still think in the long run, um, the matchup with Świątek could be a little tough for her when, you know, when it's going to be maybe a more suitable court for the pole. But already at Ran Garros, you know, um, I remember we were thinking that she, she, she did make some progress. Like, she actually came out and played um, with... Uh, she, she, she was actually deliberate. She had a game plan. It wasn't like, I don't know, Daria Kasatkina playing Świątek for the team's time and coming up, coming up with just the same same story, same old thing. Uh, Goff actually had a new idea at Ron Garros. It was a different idea than the US Open, you know, also because of the surface. Like, she wouldn't be able to pull off these, um, yeah, just constant loopy shots as, as in Paris. Uh, but I, I like the fact that there she came out believing that she can beat Świątek and she actually had mm -hmm. something new. Uh, she had something fresh for this matchup. So perhaps this was also really important for her, you know, to to have that match with Świątek, which was really reasonably close. I think 6-4, 6-2 doesn't really do it justice. Mm. And uh, perhaps it was like a, a natural trajectory into into winning this matchup eventually. And yeah, otherwise, you know, she's only lost to Pegula in the last three weeks and it was still a, a tight thriller. So um, yeah, just, just fantastic. And she has to be among the main favorites for the US Open now. Also because on the women's side, it's just, you know, a very open field, let's be honest. But she has to be up there.
Definitely. Yeah, I um, as you just started uh, talking before you even mentioned the Roland Garros meeting, I actually just quickly wrote that down because I watched that match with with interest and Eager was a hot, hot favourite there. I mean, it was a straight sets win, of course, in the final the year before. I think it was. Yes, it was 2022. Um, and I think very few people gave Coco a chance. But I watched with interest to see how that first set in particular panned out. And Coco was playing aggressively. She was troubling Eager probably more than she did in, in the final the year before. Um, just just bringing it, just just doing different things, trying things out, going, you know, if you, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to get the same results. And she clearly wasn't doing that. And this is someone who's still a teenager, not, let's not forget. So this is a few weeks, of course, before uh, Brad Gilbert comes on. So I was really, I was encouraged by that defeat, even if it was straight sets and the score looking reasonably comfortable for Eager. I was encouraged for Coco. Of course, I was quickly discouraged when she goes out in the first round at Wimbledon. And that was like, oh, you know, because we'd seen with Coco a, a pretty underwhelming play court season for Paris. Um, I, I saw her up close in Madrid and it was it was painful, her defeat to Paolo Badosa there. Really was painful um, uh, just to see. It was just a, a collapse. And I don't think Paolo even had to come close to being her, her A game that day. So encouraged by uh, Roland Garros, Step back, it seemed, at Wimbledon. But since Wimbledon, of course, as you mentioned, Washington and the defeat to Pagula is, is no nothing to be ashamed about. As Pagula went on to win that title in Montreal. And now this as well. Um, I will just counter it, though. So I think there's a lot of positivity around her right now, and I completely agree with all that. I would mm -hmm. just probably a sort of air of caution regarding your comment, what you said about, you know, she can do it here, she she could well translate that to the US Open. And of course she could. It's one more match. And I think in New York, you know, the crowd, the expectation, which of course can generally work in your favor, but, you know, it, it could also not work in your favor. Um, it, it's it's just another, another level. We've seen it with, you know, players that are not playing at home, such as Zachary and Sabalenka and, 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 and other players that have uh, just, you can just see that the, the occasion maybe sometimes gets to them. Um, we still don't know what Coco Goff will be like in a semi-final or a final of a Grand Slam in New York under those circumstances where I'm sure there'll be a lot of people inside and outside of tennis talking about her. So, but she is, she is in the conversation now. Um, I guess, is she ahead of Rebecca right now in the, in the running? I could see it, you know. I could I could see someone making the argument, um, especially yeah. if Herbakina struggling physically uh, the last couple of weeks. No, I I get what you mean for sure. Uh, she also played a ton of tennis, you know, Washington, Montreal, Toronto. Uh, this was such a full schedule, and this could hurt her at the U.S. Open. Uh, but just you know, I'm, I'm mostly thinking of like um, an undisclosed slam in the future. You know, if you're winning a WTA thousand, theoretically. It shouldn't really be a problem. Like you're in the conversation. Of yeah. course, it hasn't always worked out. There's been a number of WTA 1000 champions that have not won slams. I don't know, Agnieszka Radwańska, Maria Jose Martinez Sanchez, or whatever. But um, well, Jessica Pegula for that matter so far. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I just think that even if it's not at this US Open, she she has shown that she has um, made 
you know, tons of improvement in terms of yeah, mentality, in terms of being uh, able to like play with more discipline, I think. And also, yeah, just the forehand actually looking very decent in some cases here. I'm on, the, on a very fast court too, because the assumption was always that Goff was going to be um, great at like Ron Garros potentially, you know, clay, because she has a lot of time. No one really takes advantage of her extreme grip. And here it didn't seem like an issue, you know, at all. She, she, the way she was defending, the way she was also often able to hit through it. Um, yeah, I just think it, it's a really, really promising um, three-week swing. Uh, whether it's go- whether it's going to happen at this U.S. Open, I don't know. But I feel like there there should be a slam final, a slam semi somewhere in the near future for Coco Golf if she can play like this. And um, yeah. With that, I think really she she only has um, yeah she she has only really improved her ratings with uh, with these three weeks, provided she's not going to be too tired. I can actually check now whether she's ahead of Rybakina in terms of the odds. I have no idea. Uh, personally, yeah, I could see the argument both ways. Um, have a look at the odds, and I, I, I will just say this: that I think she's just transformed her year in the last three weeks. That no matter what happens now, yeah. it has been another step forward. You know, last year was a Grand Slam final. This year is two big titles. One of which is, of course, really big with a WTA one thousand. Yes, of course, if she goes out in the first week in New York and and doesn't make the WTA finals, but but um. Yeah, I just think it's been another step forward. Big trophies, big moments, and she's still 19. You know, she's a, a year younger than Carlos, I think. So, so yeah. yeah just... So this, um, yeah, the, the size that I, that I have here, it shows like a lot of different, um, probably UK bookmakers. Most of most of them okay. are. And um, what's checker maybe or what's checker? Yeah, yeah, what's checker? Yeah. And basically, uh, it's super close. I, I, I feel like still most of them have Rybakina as the third favorite. But there are a few. Um, for example, well, Boyle Sports, which is a pretty big one, which has golf as third, actually. And, and yeah, it, it seems like it's gotten a lot closer uh, between that's, them. And yeah, That's probably the biggest take, is that now it's got closer. You know, whereas, whereas a month ago... Probably, yeah, just in the immediate aftermath of Wimbledon, it was like, okay, here we go, New York, but probably on Jabeur's chance goes down a little bit on this surface in these circumstances, as does potentially Mukova, who we've got on the screen, uh, maybe even Coco as well, although Coco is fairly consistent across the three slams. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, talking about her consistency over the three slams, um, she, I, I spoke to her on that exact topic uh, in Madrid this year. And in fact, I, I'm just going to play it to us right now. It's less than 60 seconds. So let's go with this. Uh, you've been to the French Open final. Your breakthrough, at least stand-up result at the beginning of your career was on grass against Venus. Mm-hmm. You've been very solid on the hard courts. Mm-hmm. Is there a, a slam in particular that you go, I think that's, if I'm going to get one, the first one mm-hmm. might come here, there or where? Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> everyone, I'm like, I think this is the first one. So I don't know. I mean, obviously now going to the French, I, I do have a lot of confidence on the surface. Um, but I, I'm not really thinking about that. I feel like, you know, in the past I was and it gave me some like defeats that I feel like I shouldn't have lost. Maybe maybe more so in my head. So 
going in now, I mean, I feel like, you know, everyone is kind of, could be the one, but uh, I think I have to just take it a match at a time and, and, and just feel it out and, and, and enjoy it. I think when you focus too much on the destination, you uh, don't enjoy the journey there. So now I want to focus more on the journey. And, and you know, if the destination gets there, that's, that's, a, that's great. Whether that's just a sort of media response, you know, she may have had a lot of media training or whether perhaps there's an element of maybe she's spoken to people on the psychological side of the game and, you know, perhaps trying to encourage her to focus on the present rather than, you know, the destination, as she as she mentions, to focus on the journey or whether that's just her showing an unbelievable sense of maturity. Um, whatever what way it is, she's certainly producing the results. Um right now and yeah I, I guess third or fourth favorite going into the u.s open sounds about right what about mukova uh mukova i guess had a good week uh beating sabalenka again in a big semi-final um so i don't know if you're still with us damien or you're frozen i think damien is frozen maybe he'll have to rejoin us but of course carolina mukova was uh coco goff's opponent in that uh, final, it was a comfortable win for Coco in the end. Um, but Mukova, I think, can take a lot of positives. Again, overcoming Sabalenka. Is this now an issue for Sabalenka uh, in terms of the fact that she's had two matches uh, now in recent uh, weeks where, or recent months, obviously, with the French Open as well, where she won the first set. It wasn't quite the same kind of collapse that we saw in Paris but you know I don't know uh just talking about Mukova Damien sort of overall positives I guess for, for Carolina regarding this week I think she's just broken into the top 10 as well yeah yeah uh it's definitely good to see her repeat that obviously she has the game to do it but you know since when um sorry since Ron Garros she had a few weaker events they were also like like these results were not exactly as poor as they seemed right you know losing to Niemeyer in the first round at Wimbledon, yeah. that's normal. You know, she's a fantastic player on the grass. There's also um, Warsaw, where she had that huge lead against Shramkova, right? We, we don't know how her event would have ended up if uh, if she wins that match. And uh, yeah, I think it's just good, good, good to see her repeat that, even though everyone kind of knew that she has the quality to do it. Um, it's it's a completely different thing to actually pull it off. And answering the, uh, the question from Ghosty about the odds for Mukova, she is pretty much distinctly the seventh favorite um, outside Świątek, Sabalenka, Rybakina, Goff, Pegula, and Jaber. And then Jaber, there's a Jaber's pretty ahead big of her, gap. Okay. Yes, Jaber is yeah, significantly ahead of her for pretty much most of the bookies. Then you have Vondroshova and Kim Benzheng and Maria Sakari. And then you have Jennifer Brady. So clearly we are entering some uh, wild territory. So basically about eight favorites that they consider relatively possible lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To probably uh, put it in stark context of how open 
uh, the women's side is right now going into New York compared to the men. Um, mm -hmm. If we put the two favorites together uh, on the men's side, and I said, do you want to have uh, Djokovic and Alcaraz or the field? I know exactly what your answer would have to yeah. be unless you were insanely drunk. However, um, and even if you were insanely drunk, I still think you'd just yeah, be... That's just the first beer, so not yet. Is it a beer you're having there, Damien? <laughs> it is, actually, yes. Oh, good for you. I didn't know you. I thought you weren't a beer man. Um, I'm not really, but it's like summer's beer, you know, so it's basically like juice. Um, ah, okay, so yeah. True. That sort of things I can, I can drink, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but on the women's side, the same question, if I gave you Sabalenka and Sviontek or the field... What are you going for? Um, it's I don't close. Know. Yeah, like they, they have to be the main two favorites, but I wouldn't even count on either of them making, I don't know, the quarters, to be honest. No, Savalenko in particular. I mean, she could go anything between a third round exit to winning the tournament. Yeah, and I think this actually goes for Sviontek too. Um, at the US Open, you know, last year she had this very tough match against Niemeyer. Obviously, a lot of rough encounters here in Cincinnati and Toronto. Without seeing the draw, hard to answer this. I think it's really close. Um, they are the main two favorites, but it's nowhere near prohib prohibitive. It's it's actually going to be a pretty wild race as well, right? Because uh, I think as it stands right now at the US Open, if they reach the same round, then Sabalenka is going to be the number one by like 11 points or something like that. Yeah, and if they, if they then, reach the um, same round, is that right? Yeah, if, they, if, they reach, if they reach the same round. Yeah. And then, of course, Sviontek has to be one round further than Sabalenka if she wants to yeah. win. It would be beautiful for women's tennis, I think, and for tennis as a whole, if we actually got that final for the yeah. number one spot. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely ah, so that, the, the, the likelihood of it. So, of course... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so of course, if they both get semifinals, yeah, of course, but well, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be fantastic anyway, bearing in mind some of the clashes that they've had. Uh, Stuttgart was probably a reasonably comfortable win for for Eager, but apparently, the, from memory, the first half a dozen games were were, were pretty special. Uh, and then Madrid was just, just fantastic and probably in the top five women's matches of the year, maybe even a bit higher. Um, yes, that is something. And by the way, I didn't do the counting myself. I'm relying on a Twitter post post by an account that I hope is reliable. So uh, don't I have me. seen even if it's even if the numbers are slightly off, I have seen that if they get to the same round, then then Sabalenka becomes number one. But if 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 Sabalenka gets to the third round and Iga goes out in the second, I think she would also get it. Although they would both drop points, of course, bearing in mind one got to the semis in the final last year. But that would be Basically, epic. just don't sue me. Don't sue this account. No. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's, what, that's what I want to say. But um, yeah, I, I think it's probably true, you know. The guy spends, um, the guy spends a lot of time um, counting these things. And, and yeah, um, from what I can see, I, I think he should be correct. Where are we at with Eager right now? Let's go from the French Open until now. Has have her chances increased, decreased, or are we at more or less the same spot regarding her US Open chances? Uh, from where? From which point? So if we look at post Paris mm -hmm. and we were post looking Paris. to the next two slams, but in particular, if we were just saying, you know, where is she at? I, I would say she was in a pretty good spot. Uh, the distance between her and her rivals was there. 
and also the distance between, most importantly, the distance between her and four, five, six, and seven, if you like, on the list was was seemed to be pretty big uh, on 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 clay and also probably on a hard court. But since then, I would personally, I would suggest that the 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 likelihood of her winning the U.S. Open for me has gone down slightly in that period, partly because of her rivals and maybe partly because it just appears as though Pagula, Coco now, two players that are not going to be fearing playing her. Yeah, you've got Pagula and Goff, but at the same time, Rybakina and Sabalenka haven't really done anything of note. True. True. So their ratings have sort of gone down for me. Yeah. I think I think for me it's similar. Uh, I have a few justifications for this. Well, mostly um, we said it a few times, but three of the four slams right now are pretty fast, like moderately fast, let's say. And in general, I think in order to be like on a goat uh, track, um, you know, you know, goat um, sort of tra- trajectory, Shvante kind of needs this U.S. Open, you know, kind of needs these two slams a year. Just, just she kind of needs something outside of Roland Garros, right? Because Nadal managed to get to twenty-two slams because he won fourteen times in Paris. Mm-hmm. Whether she's going to be able to dominate Paris like this? It's not out of the question, but it is so hard to do. Like sometimes yeah. we, because of the fact that Nadal did this, like we sometimes under, um, sorry, uh, uh, yeah, just underrate how tough this is. So um, especially in the best of three format. Uh, although Nadal usually actually didn't need that longer format to survive at Ron Garros, maybe against Isner only. Uh, but anyway, um, w- what I'm saying here is basically that I am assuming uh, that um Ron Garros for now is like, you know, her 90% chance against the field. While the other slams, it's going to be pretty hard. You know, US Open last year was was patchy as well. She had that 2-4 down to Sabalenka in the semis, right? She had that match against Niemeyer in the fourth round where for a while it looked like she just has no chance for a set and a half, let's say, maybe for a set and a few games. I can't remember how the second set exactly went, but the first set was definitely quite tragic. Um, and at the same time, I know she hasn't done so well in Cincinnati and Canada. She also was not playing her best at all. Like her timing was just all over the place throughout the two weeks. She was still winning a lot, which is very impressive. Uh, but why that doesn't really bother me at all is the fact that last year she was even worse, right? I mean, this was around the time uh, of the season last year when everyone was just teeing off on her serve. You know, Caroline Garcia showed people, I guess, that, that this is doable. And then Hadat Maya and Keys, especially Keys, of course, in Cincinnati, she just absolutely she just absolutely destroyed Shvontek, you know. And compared to that, these performances were still okay, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there were more issues for Shvontek coming into last year's US Open. I just don't think the fact that she won in New York in 2002, uh, 2022 should make you think that she, uh, because she was doing better right now in Canada, Cincinnati, now she kind of has to do it. I don't think that's true at all. I, I don't think she had to win last year's US Open. Uh, obviously, 2-4 against Sabalenka in the in the third set, right? And yeah, that, that's basically all I'm saying, that um, I think she's still the main favorite. She's still the number one. However, it's not a big lead against the field. It's a little bigger than at the US Open because, uh, sorry, at Wimbledon, because at, at Wimbledon, we only really gave her like the tag of the favorite after we saw the draw and every single other contender was in the bottom half. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, it's slightly bigger, but I, 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 I'm I not going to say that, you know, I'm, I'm very confident that she's going to win it. I think it's 
really remains to be seen. Perhaps it's going to be just like last year's New York when, you know, she has a poor match and she battles through it and then she is, uh, yeah, she just finds her footing or maybe she actually loses in that poor match. And uh, there's there's really no way of knowing right now. It's it's really interesting how, you know, her matches in the last few weeks have, have fallen into, you know, demolition jobs or unbelievable tight, you know, third setters or or even against Von Drusova. I mean, Von Drusova was serving for that first set. I think you tweeted about it. Yeah. That, that, that Von Drusova twice. probably... Knew. Yeah, twice, exactly. Um, and she probably needed that to, to really have a chance of winning that match. And unfortunately... Was she that really a demolition, by the way? Like, other than the Collins? No, match, no. Not, not so much, right? Oh, there wasn't a demolition job. Maybe I'm getting confused. Uh, Daniel Collins... Other than was, Collins. Yeah, other, other yeah. than Collins in Cincy. Of course, they went very deep in uh, Toronto, um, Montreal. Um, but yeah, other than Collins, I don't think there were really that many demolitions, unless you count the last two sets against Kim Van Zhang. Um, no, I don't, that, but that, I was thinking cool. of the two tournaments. Was there not a comfortable win maybe against Plessis? I don't think so. Um, I'm just trying to think what the score was. Sam Sonova was, was that this? In the, yeah, that she was, didn't, um, she didn't oh, that's the that was the confused. other, the other half of the draw. Yeah. 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 Um, um did she not? Yeah, I, I think, win? I think all of her matches in Montreal were, uh, pretty tight. Okay, I think oh, she had a straight set of yeah. Quickly. Okay, yeah, Pliskova seven six six two, but that was the opener where Pliskova had her chances for sure, and then three sets against Muhova, three sets against Collins, three sets against Pegula, of course, and yeah, just that one six one six love against Collins, but she had struggled with her just a few days earlier too. So so yeah, th there really wasn't that much comfort in terms of yeah the the, the this these two events for Shvantec. This wasn't like the demolition mode that we are used to seeing from her, even though she still actually managed to land like what five bread breadsticks and one bagel. But Igor's bakery, indeed. Um, okay, what about Sabalenka? Um, I mean, you said about one or two of Igor's rivals sort of floundering a bit in the last few weeks and maybe even the last few months. I guess uh, Sabalenka hasn't quite risen to the heights that she was producing in the first half of the season, uh, losing to Mukova again, winning the first set. And yet, probably right now, if I had to push, I would probably go with Sabalenka to win the US Open. But I don't I don't know if that's heart over, overhead. No, she's still one of the best players in the world, hands down. She is still up there. Uh, among the main two contenders for now, I guess I don't really want to say who is ahead of whom, mostly because I want to see the draw. But um, if someone has like serious doubts about her mental performance and like how she's going to hold up in a semi or a final, I totally get that. Uh, she definitely is not as impenetrable as she was at the beginning of the season. Um, by the way, just one thing that sprung to mind about Iga, did you see that? I think after the Von Drusova match, there was a bit of a chat between her and the umpire. And I think oh, yeah, it yeah. Was because of Iga taking too much time between points, right? Yeah, I think it was about um, her getting a time violation. And then I mm. also saw some people were saying that um, any time, like not any time, but like a lot of the time before a big point on her opponent's serve, she makes them wait. You know, she puts up her racket. Yes, I and I noticed that a lot in New York last year, but I'm sure she's been doing it a lot longer. I yeah, do I, I, I don't I know do how much of this mind. is deliberate, right? Like, I, I don't even know if this is, like, statistically correct, like, how often she does it. Uh, I don't know how much of this is deliberate. Obviously, if it is, then that wouldn't be a fair play at all. 
uh, but yeah, I think the time violation, it, it, it was okay. You know, someone said that, um, I remember reading this comment that um, it was a ridiculous violation because the match was obviously over. And I don't agree with this at all. Like, this is not how umpiring is supposed to be done, right? You're not yeah. supposed to judge whether the match is over. Um, the fact that she is 5-1 up doesn't mean a thing. You still have to, um, yeah, you still have to execute the rules consistently. And, and if anything, I think players, Damien, will go, you know what? This could be the last game of the match, so I might just push that and I'll take a time violation. You know, if you're, if you're just struggling a bit and you just want to, you know, it's like getting a yellow card at the end of a football match. It's not a big deal as long as you're not going to get suspended for it because it may well be worth it, you know, taking a breather in this situation. I think I saw a bit of it with Novak in the last few points yesterday. And I thought, well, if he was to get a violation, it doesn't really make any difference and it's probably worth it. Um, so, yeah, as you say, I, I think an umpire just has to has to apply the rules at each point. Whether whether she's doing it deliberately, though, with the with the racket thing or not, um, I don't know. And we, it's impossible to judge, to be honest with you. Well, she definitely takes it takes a lot, of, a lot of time. But, you know, the rules are that you have to play to the speed of the server. Well, the That's reasonable, right. reasonable speed of the server yeah which reasonable can mean a lot of things and that's yeah. also why the rules aren't really executed consistently but yeah i i think if if sometimes she um just wants to take a bit longer than her opponent who's serving and it's a reasonable time it's up to the umpire to punish her mm -hmm. for that and yeah um I just think, obviously, in the in this particular spot, you know, I don't think Maria Maria Chitak was it. I think I think it was. I don't think she did anything wrong. No, I, there's also occasional random racket changes. I think maybe even on match point, I've seen her do it. Like she's, it's her match point, I think, and she's she's gone and quickly changed her racket. Mm. Um, then I guess that's not deliberate because why would you why would you really do that on your match point, right? I mean, you're you're receiving. I mean, you're receiving, not not. Ah, you're receiving. Okay, mm. you're receiving. Then maybe. Mm. Okay. Mm. And and like I said, but but more 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 clearly, I was not t talking about it quite a bit in New York last year, and and it was starting to annoy me a bit. And I think it would annoy me as it does annoy me as a server when I see, um, you know, my opponent because you've got to go at the service pace basically. Whether whether as long as it's reasonable, as you say. I mean, if you're just <laughs> just getting the ball over very quickly just to a just to catch your opponent off guard, that's unreasonable but anyway uh keep an eye on that in the coming weeks uh something to keep an eye on what's going on here in Nerland? there's a trend going on with Egan she loses in two tournaments she wins the third well uh if she does that and wins obviously the next tournament uh I think uh she'll be pretty happy and yeah this I think is, she'll this also have the... she'll also have one eye I think Egan on having a good WTA finals as well I think she'd be quite keen to add that to her wherever that takes place <laughs> which I think we still don't know I heard <laughs> I yeah. heard players talking about it last. Year. It is ridiculous, but to be honest with you, I can, I can, I know this is of the least concern for players. But I applied for a U.S. Open press pass, and I was told that I would be, um, would be told the answer to that by the end of May, which is fine. End of June came along. I asked. They said, "Oh, so we're still, you know, sifting through things. No problem." Beginning of August. Oh, so we'll let you know as soon as. And I'm like, and they let me know last week or three or four days ago I, I didn't get one no problem but no, you didn't. yeah but um but it would have been good to know a few months before to be honest with you, because i could have organized a lot of other things uh and i'm now hurriedly trying to rearrange so a few last things week they, they they made you know last week yeah and i i could i could show you some of the dialogue it's pretty or i could tell you about some of the dialogue even now it's pretty ridiculous just how 
you know, I, I was just, bit, I mean, even like two weeks ago, um, yes, I will let you know. Uh, and I'm thinking it's three weeks away. And I think in that last email, I or the one I sent two or three weeks ago, it's like, you know, accommodation is the main thing. I know a lot of people might think about flights, but it's accommodation nowadays, post-pandemic is getting more and more ridiculous in big cities even, that it's really, really tricky to to organize. And uh, I, I don't know whether that meant I was close to getting a press pass and just was like down to the final two, or they were just insanely disorganized, possibly the latter. Um, anyway, that is that. Uh, I am di I'm uh, digressing a bit from the uh, WTA topic. Uh, are there any other players that perhaps we should touch on from Cincinnati or, or with a look forward towards New York? Thinking about it, you know, that this again could have been like the the Kim Van Jank week, right, where she actually gets that breakthrough. But of course, she did. Yeah, she just did not play well at all in the last two sets against Shiontek. Um, Yeah, we had Paulini going deep, but it never really felt like a run that no, she you know, benefited was going to end in something. Yeah, from Rebecca as well, I think, didn't she? Was it Paulini who? Uh, yeah, Rebecca, Rebecca, yeah. Before that, mm. she beat Kostuk and Buxa very easily. Uh, but I like that, you know, Paulini, I think, is always kind of underrated. Um, people think that she just has no pace at all from the ground, which is not true at all. But yeah, otherwise, I, I don't think there was really that much to talk about. I guess for, for Sabalenka, we kind of didn't mention, but, you know, beating Kasatkina, Jaber, straight sets, back to back, that's still pretty huge. It, it's only really the, the mental things that... Buskova, not only wants us to talk to, talk about Buskova, um, of course we'll do that. Buskova beat Pegula, beat Mertens, and beat Pegu, and then lost to Muhova. Well, retired against Muhova, zero three. Um, I don't know. Was it that much of a of an exciting run? No, didn't it? Didn't I mean if she beats Mukova, then 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 yes, I think that's the. I didn't key. see that much against Pegula, so maybe that's why I'm I'm not okay. that keen on this because uh, Nurlan says that she dominated Pegula. Um, I'm I just assumed you know based on the scoreline that it was Pegula. Um, tired after that Montreal effort Montreal or Toronto Montreal and um yeah but but again it's just my assumption it's it's how I sort of allowed myself to think about this you know it's it, I, I I just don't know so I mean she's just slowly creeping into conversations Buscova that's what I would say with with one or two of her results in recent weeks that she's now just sort of oh okay yeah she's you know, she's not in the mix to, to win the big ones. I don't think not yet, or she's not in the conversations yet anyway. Um, but she may well spring a surprise between now and the end of the year on that front. Anyway, okay. Well, um, we do have one tournament this week, don't we? Is it in Cleveland, a 250? Yep. Uh, I have no idea about the entrance there, to be honest with you. Um, I'm just going to have a quick look right now, but I, I would imagine it's... Oh, I can actually see Wong is playing Grabner right now. Sasnovich is down a break to Navarro. Uh, Fresh Paulini is in action there. Trevisan, everyone's favorite uh, Italian, uh, is there too. Fresh from Poland. I can't I mean... tell if it was sarcasm or not. <laughs> uh, I'll let you work that one out. Fresh from Poland, and I don't mean Damien, I mean uh, the player. Although, uh, is that how do you pronounce her name? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't realize this because I was expecting you to talk about her when, when you said uh, fresh from Poland, but I just never thought because, you know, for me, it's so obvious. Now it's... Well, you want the summer's B, so I thought there might be an extra freshness to you today. No, no, it's it, it's French. French, yeah. Well, French. Then, then, then my pun wouldn't work. You're, you're not uh, accentuating the 
the E with the um, little thing at the bottom, you know, with the tail or however you want to call it. Yeah, Freug. Freug. Freug, yeah, that's good. Yeah, not bad. Uh, Chikova is is playing there. I mean, she's kind of fallen off the radar. She would have been a few months what ago. What a match, I mean, by the way. Clara Thousand, but what a Krejcikova. Yeah, first first round, yeah. You gotta watch this. Good, good that she showed me this order of play because honestly, I was just thinking, I'm probably gonna watch some challengers today and I'm probably gonna watch some Winston-Salem, but I never thought I was gonna watch Cleveland, but actually Thousand Krejcikova, that sounds like a match I should be following. Listen, uh, there's one thing about Travis Sanis. I, I think there's something kind of funny about how she annoys everyone. Um, I, 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 that's just kind of amusing. Um, but maybe if I w- was a fan of a, 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 a player on the other side of the net, I might change my mind on that one. So I can see how she divides opinion. All right, Damien, um, that brings us to an end. We're going to do a lot more, of course, on New York. So we'll have a much bigger look towards that as the week progresses. We'll be doing a... Tr- a draw show, which I don't know if you saw today, Damien is just going to appear on a screen somewhere at some point somehow. Ah, yeah, yeah. I saw that news. Yeah, obviously awful. You know, yeah. I just draw ceremonies could be like such huge, um, you know, also also ways to promote the event, Absolutely. right? And, and yeah, just uh, it, it doesn't have to be like the whole FIFA World Cup draw ceremony or something like that. It it can be like in fact, don't be prestigious. don't be like FIFA. Yeah, be like that, because yeah. it's boring and like they have uh, you know lots of uh, corrupt, uh, lots yeah, of corrupt yeah, yeah, businessmen yeah. talking, but but yeah, just just do it you know live, do it with some sort of uh, technical um, ability and and yeah, it it just should be a much better show than it is most of the time in tennis. I think Wimbledon's probably now elevated itself to number one after this year. I think they did a pretty good job this year. I mean, they used to be audio only for a UK-based audience. Now they are visual and audio and international. I mean, French Open Roland Garros has has, has made improvements as well. We did did that with Jakub, right, actually? Yeah, I think uh, both of them, I think, from memory. You and him became a great sort of draw specialist team. I I was really... I think I was maybe out of the Wimbledon thing. I think you did it with me with Wimbledon then but, but um, yeah but I, I'm pretty sure we did uh, me you and Jakub did Ron Garros and I think yeah. at Wimbledon I was probably out but it might have yeah. been me and Jakub then for Wimbledon I'm pretty yeah. sure I had him on board in fact it might have been Jakub Mario I'm not sure uh, but it was some dynamic uh, partnership uh, with with Jakub uh, for both of those draws um, yes yeah, so we'll cover the draw anyway um, and uh, she can annoy me all night long <laughs> yeah um, Travis Sand, of course. Uh, yeah, so we'll cover the draw on Thursday. Uh, probably we'll go live probably a few minutes before it gets released, and then we'll just react to it and show it on the screen and just talk tennis. We'll probably have another ATP and a WTA weekly as well squeezed in on the eve of the tournament, probably on Saturday, maybe Sunday. Um, and then it'll be, you know, fast forward to New York. I'm just wondering if I've got anything else. Yeah, I've got a I've got a video that's going to come out in the next day or so, maybe tonight if I if I get things done. And Damien, you have a cameo appearance in this video. That's all I'll tell you. Um, you it's a two. I think it's two seconds. So blink and you'll miss Damien. Um, it's a twenty minute show, more or less altogether, putting a few things together. But Damien does have a two second cameo in it, uh, and it's about the topic uh, of whether Carlos Alcaraz will win. 10 Grand Slams or more. And you're thinking to yourself, how have I got a two-second cameo in this? Well, maybe it's just me saying yes or <laughs> or something like that, right? Could be. 
Could be. I, I think you're a little even more direct than that in, in your analysis of, of the question. If it's possible to be more direct than yes, I think it is possible. Yeah. Is it, it possible? Do I just say there's all sorts of yeah. There's all sorts of all sorts of bad words you could do in in incredulity regarding the question. That's true. Uh, and uh, in fact, that might well be uh, the cameo. I'm giving too much away. So make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Uh, Damien, thank you for stopping by today. Of course. And thank you to everyone who's tuned in. And of course, you know the drill. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.